afternoon. It is 5 o'clock. It is 41 degrees. I'm Mike Martini with the WMKV News. Two more lawsuits have been filed against Springfield Township Daycare Center. Covenant Apostolic Church sent a letter to parents earlier this month saying two employees may have given children the drug melatonin to help them take their naps. Those two employees have since been fired. Two lawsuits were filed today against the uh, church on behalf of parents of children at the daycare. The lawsuits accuse the daycare of negligence, battery, malice, and negligent supervision. Bond was set today for a Warren County minister and his wife who are facing some check sex charges. Jeff and Alice Kilborn face one count each of sexual imposition and one count of child endangering. They turned themselves into police and were video arraigned in Warren County Court this morning. Bond was set at $100,000 each. Jeff Kilburn told the judge that he and his wife have never been in any trouble. The year 2010 is expected to be pivotal in its uh, ambitious efforts to revitalize the downtown banks project. After a decade of delay, construction of the banks uh, begins in January. Crews will start on 300 apartments and 70,000 square feet of retail space in the effort to create a focal point for living, shopping, working, and playing downtown. The initial construction will be uh, estimated to cost more than $70 million in a mainly privately funded effort expected to eventually total the hundreds of millions of dollars. In national news today, the parents who carried out the balloon boy hoax were sentenced to jail today and given strict probation conditions that forbid them from earning any money from the spectacle for four years. Richard Heen was sentenced to 90 days in jail, including 60 days of work release that will let him pursue his job as a construction contractor while serving time. His wife, Mayumi, was sentenced to 20 days in jail. The staged event was a stunt designed to generate attention for a potential reality television show. Wall Street today, stocks managed very small gains today on the last full day of trading before the Christmas holiday. That was okay news. Better news was just the fact that stocks have rebounded so strongly for the year. Financial markets will close for trading at 1 o'clock tomorrow. Markets will be closed Friday for Christmas. Dow Industrials traded in the range of uh, 54 points and finally finished the day up just two points to 10,467, but it was its fourth straight gain. S&P 500 was up two points to 1,121, and the NASDAQ was up 16 points to 2,269. The market was cheered by decent news about personal income and spending. Investors were disappointed by a surprisingly big decline in new home sales. Meanwhile, energy and metal stocks moved higher as commodity prices moved higher. Crude oil jumped three and a little over 3% to $76.67 a barrel. Gold rose $7.30 to $1,094 an ounce. The dollar was down slightly. Alcoa was the Dow leader, up over 1.5%. Uh, oil service giant Schlumberger was up almost 9 or, I'm sorry, up almost 2% on the day. Ford Motor Company closed at a little over $10 a share, its first close above $10 since September 7, 2005. Uh, companies that depend on overseas business were also higher as the dollar moved lower. Caterpillar was up about a percent. Boeing was up. And uh, newspaper stocks up today after Wells Fargo analyst John Janatus upgraded Gannett and the New York Times Company. Those stocks uh, were up uh, between 6% and 8% today. So now you know what's going on around the tri-state in the world. And so let's get George 
Back up to the microphone here, George. How about a little look at this date in history? Thanks, Mike. And let's take a look at this December 23rd, 1783. George Washington returned to Mount Vernon after the disbanding of his army following the Revolutionary War. 1823, he had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. Those words were published for the first time on this day in the Troy, New York Sentinel, the poem we know as The Night Before Christmas or A Visit from St. Nicholas by Clement C. Moore was published anonymously under the newspaper editor's title, Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas. 1913, the Federal Reserve Act was signed into law by President Woodrow Wilson. It established 12 Federal Reserve Banks. 1930, an unknown actress, like so many others, arrived in Hollywood. Under contract to Universal Studios, she was Ruth Elizabeth Davis. Universal changed her name for the movies. Five years later, she won an Academy Award for Dangerous, followed by another Oscar in 1938 for Jezebel. You don't have to be John the Movie Guy to know that we're talking now about Betty Davis. It was back in 1930. In 1938, Mrs. Wiggs of the Cabbage Patch was heard for the final time on radio. It was about life in a Kentucky shantytown. In 1942, Bob Hope agreed to entertain U.S. airmen in Alaska. It was the first of his many famous Christmas shows for American armed forces around the world, a tradition that went on for three decades. Speaking of tradition, WMKV is going to give our staff a couple of days off here for the holidays on Thursday and Friday. We'll be back with you on Monday here on WMKV. Thank you, George. Didn't expect that. Thank you. I'm joking. Uh, traffic right now, we have an accident. Bennett Road at Bernie Lane. Beachmont at Corbley, an accident. Also Harrison at Ruberg. 71 northbound north of Smith Edwards. An accident on the left shoulder. And... Uh, Backups in the usual spots, maybe a little heavier near the malls. For example, uh, 71 southbound slow exiting to Montgomery Road, uh, just as an example. Checking on the weather forecast from the National Weather Service this evening. Cloudy skies, maybe a little bit of rain tonight, a freezing rain tonight's low around 30. But the chance of additional precipitation tonight, just 20%. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy. The rain probably won't come until the afternoon hours. Tomorrow's high around 42. Once it get here, uh, gets here, though, the uh, chance of precipitation will be 70%. Then for Christmas Day, cloudy skies. The rain will be mostly in the morning. Uh, just a slight chance of rain in the afternoon. However, temperatures will fall throughout the day from the lower 40s in the morning into the 30s in the afternoon. And uh, there's an 80% chance of precipitation on Friday uh, that could mean we could see a few snowflakes Friday evening, but uh, most of that precipitation will be out of the area. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, cloudy skies with highs only in the mid-30s, so we're going to stay chilly. In fact, looking at the extended forecast, uh, each day, daytime highs will be in the 30s, mid-30s, overnight lows near 20 degrees, at least through Tuesday. Right now, the temperature here at 89.3 WMKV is 40 degrees. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment.
Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're putting folks just like you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And today we have a little early Christmas present for you. We're going to talk today about how to get those ridiculously high property taxes on your home or rental property lowered so that your valuation is more in line with what you could actually sell the property for and you're actually paying taxes on what it's worth, not what it was worth in 2005. Before we dive into that topic, just a little bit of end of the year housekeeping to take care of here. We are taking requests for real life real estate radio topics and guests at our fan page at realliferealestateradio.com. Just go there, fan us up, and let us know what you'd really like to hear here on Real Life Real Estate Investing in uh, 2010. And uh, if you're going to offer yourself as a guest, which I know many people do, please remember this is non-commercial public radio. We do not come on here and pitch products and services. So if you've got some good information that real estate investors ought to know about, I'd be happy to consider you. If you're coming to pitch, forget about it. Doesn't happen here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. Also, when you go to realliferealestateradio.com and fan us, you will get a weekly reminder of the upcoming program, what it's all about, what the guest, who the guest is, and your chance to ask questions offline. You can always ask questions uh, by emailing me at askvina at gmail.com. Those questions will be answered on the radio only, so don't get offended when you're going to email back the next day for me asking your answering your complicated questions. Those are for uh, the radio show only. Um, realliferealestateradio.com is the web address and yes that's going to take you to a Facebook page if you don't have a Facebook account get one and get into the 21st century here it's almost 2010 people we're a decade in if you don't have a Facebook page there's something really really wrong my guest today is Chris Finney who is an attorney here in the Cincinnati area specializing in lots of areas of real estate law including title brokerage zoning and land use commercial law and litigation even constitutional litigation he is a fellow who has a lot of experience appealing those property tax valuations that everyone is complaining about these days yeah i know your house was worth three hundred thousand dollars five years ago and it's only worth 200 now and you're still paying thirty two hundred dollars a half in taxes how do you fix that that's what we're here to talk about today uh for those listeners who are listening to us uh online at wmkvfm.org uh, when we get into the details of the process, I should mention we are talking about Ohio taxes here, but the general strategies are pretty much going to uh, stay the same uh, wherever you are. But your first step, if you're outside the state of Ohio, is going to be to call your own auditor, treasurer, uh, whoever the person is that 
that collects your taxes and find out what the exact paperwork you would need to fill out would be. And with that overly in- lengthy introduction disclosure, welcome, Chris. Thank you very much, Mina. <laughs> it's a pleasure being here. Uh, glad glad to see you here. Um, so I'm guessing your property tax business where you where you go and represent people in court to try and get them to, to try and get the the auditor to reduce the uh, valuations on properties is booming we we had a very good year uh this past year in doing that um the best we've ever had yes ma'am yes because a lot of people have when they receive their tax bill looked at that valuation and said whoa wait a minute, there's no possibility that if I put a sign in my yard and tried to sell this property, woo, what is that sound? Am I the only one hearing that? I guess I must be the only one hearing that. Um, Sorry, this is really loud squealing in my ear all of a sudden. Uh, In in any case, Chris, while I try and (laughs) straighten this out for myself, um, the... uh, uh, the thing that a lot of folks don't understand about their property taxes is that the auditor does not come out every year and like do a full appraisal on the current value of your property. If you don't say something, he's going to leave it the way it is. Uh, well, actually, in Ohio, um, the process is based upon a three-year and a six-year cycle. Uh, it, there's a major reevaluation every six years in Ohio, and then within the, the middle of that cycle, the three-year middle of that cycle, there's a triennial minor reevaluation. The auditor is actually supposed to make an on-site, not necessarily interior, but an on-site visit of every property in his jurisdiction uh, every six years, or a representative of his. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the, the the lack of the lack of interior inspection is is a whole different problem that that is going to be endemic to to mid-size and large-size cities that the valuators just cannot come in and look at your property right but but the the point is in 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 hamilton county i think dusty and i taught a class together about uh, two or three weeks ago and he pointed out that um he has three hundred fifty thousand different parcels in hamilton county alone that he has to value so we figure in the four counties of southwest ohio there's probably seven hundred thousand or so different parcels of real estate that need to be valued and the auditors in each county are going to make mistakes there's no question about that when you're doing that many so there's a process that exists through the in ohio through the board of revision uh to to legally and properly correct uh properties that are uh, misvalued usually it's because they're overvalued Mm -hmm. and uh, we handled uh, this year in ohio more than 1400 appeals and um we we actually prevailed in in the in some reduction on almost every one of them there's literally just a handful that we did not get some downward adjustment and usually it was a a significant uh adjustment downward we we were successful uh, quite a bit and the reason is of course that people don't appeal properties uh, typically that are either undervalued or that are fairly valued so out of that 350,000 parcels in Hamilton County if you just say let's say 10% are improperly valued significantly enough to to merit an appeal uh, over their value, that would be three thirty five thousand uh, parcels that uh, potentially could be corrected downwards. Uh, Dusty said he had six thousand appeals in total this year just in Hamilton County. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now let let's talk about uh, just in general, sort of how the how the property tax system works because. Uh, th- it's not as simple as here's what your house is worth and you pay X percent of that amount in property taxes. It it really depends on 
what city you, I mean, even within sure. the county, different cities have it, different levies. In different- Hamilton County alone, <clears throat> there are just, in terms of taxing jurisdictions, I think more than 150 different areas. For example, there's pieces of Anderson Township that are in Cincinnati Public Schools. There are ports of uh, Amberley Village, Cheviot, and Delhi that are in Cincinnati Public, and then there are different fire districts and so on. So you have overlapping taxing jurisdictions resulting in 150 or 200 different possible jurisdictions. And then within those jurisdictions, you have commercial rates, you have residential rates, you have agricultural rates, and so on. So your property tax bill, Vina, is ultimately, when it's all said and done, it's an extraordinarily complex calculation, but cutting it down to its essence, what you pay every half in property taxes is your effective tax rate times your valuation minus a few adjustments. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but the gross calculation is really your effective rate, which you can't affect at this point in time. The politicians have set that, the voters have set that. That is a political process. But what can the subjective, what can the individual property owner do to reduce their taxes? That's really what they want to know. And the answer is it's a product of multiplying that rate, which you're frustrated about and can't do anything about, times your valuation. And if your property is incorrectly valued, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but if your property is incorrectly valued on the high side, you very much can affect how you um, uh, address that and get your property taxes lowered. Uh, we had some property taxes for for clients this year lowered as much as two-thirds. Uh, so if they were paying $10,000 before, they might only be paying $3,500 afterwards. It, it was very significant in terms of some of them. Now, that wasn't the typical experience, uh, but but we're talking about very significant potential savings if you pursue this. And this this applies to single individual homeowners, and this applies to large commercial property owners. Uh, I got a wonderful thank you note. We gave a series of free seminars last year. We'll be doing them again this year that not only drum up business for our firm, which isn't the purpose of the seminar, but also teaches individual homeowners and property owners how they can do these appeals themselves. And I got a wonderful note from somebody who didn't appeal themselves this year, and I think they said they save $40 a year in taxes. And they were just thrilled that they were able to go in and do that for themselves and get their value righted. And the interesting thing is a lot of people think that the county auditors are hostile to this process, that somehow you're fighting City Hall. And it's really not so. You're going in to fix a mistake that was made, and the auditor very much wants to fix those mistakes in the same way that you do. So I co-taught last year four different courses, three-hour courses with Dusty Rhodes, teaching people how to do this. Uh, I'm teaching a course next month with Nick Nelson up in Warren County, uh, and we're trying to get a similar course set in uh, Montgomery County with a Dayton auditor. Uh, And the auditors like doing this because they'll acknowledge that they're not right all the time, but but the point is we have an outlet, we have a process to fix those mistakes when they happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is attorney Chris Finney, who is... uh, talking to us today about appealing property taxes. And this is one of those things like, you know, like writing a will that it sort of pops into your head that you'll probably ought to look into it every once in a while. And then time passes and then hopefully it's not too late. But uh, uh, especially those of you out there who are rental property owners, you really need to take a look. Don't just pay that tax bill this year or let your bank pay it. Uh, take a look at the valuation because if your if your thought about what that property might sell for on the open market is significantly different, and by which I mean your number's lower, 
than what your uh, whoever your local tax charger is. Uh, you might want to go in and appeal the taxes because, uh, Chris, I, we have appealed the taxes this year on eight properties, uh, mostly that were recently purchased, and the valuations were the old, you know, five mm-hmm. years ago, somebody overpaid for the property, and, and, and we paid literally a third, maybe, of what the uh, prior uh, tax valuation was, and they've been 100% successful across the board. And they've resulted in some refund checks, right. which was also nice. Oh, it's so. fun to get together. Well, let me say on that issue, Vina, that is free money, okay? There, when I teach the class, there's two things that people can do to get free money. One is that the, the tr- last triennial in Hamilton County closed around October the 18th of 2008. If someone has a purchase of any piece of real estate after October the 18th of 2008, an amount less than the valuation established by the auditor. You can walk in during the tax valuation period, you file a complaint, you attach a copy of your contract, your closing statement, and you get, you don't even have to go to a hearing, you get a check back and you get your valuation reduced going forward. It's free money. The other instance of free money we teach people about is the is the homestead exemption for owner-occupied single-family homes uh, by either elderly people or people who are handicapped and you can get a uh, roughly a $500 per year reduction in your taxes for that. But the the instance you talk about is the easiest way that I know to tell people to make money and it's it's the it's a wonderful way to get uh, a little bit of extra cash in your pocket on an uh, uh, owner occupied or an investment property. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. You can give us a call if you've got a question about uh, lowering your property taxes uh, either at I know I've been doing I've been doing a show here for like a year and I still have to look at the cheat sheet. 513-772-9658 or if you're outside the greater Cincinnati area 877-772-9658 or send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859-292-7342. Check in on traffic right now. I chop for an accident. Bennett at Bernie. Beachmont at Corbley, an accident. Also one on 71 northbound, just north of Smith Edwards. It's over on the left shoulder of the exit. And Harrison at Ruberg, an accident. And uh, slowdowns northbound 71, Smith Edwards. And again at Montgomery, south 71 slows. Exiting Montgomery to the uh, Kenwood area. Uh, also some backup 75 northbound at Mitchell and 75 southbound Ezra Charles to the Brent Spence Bridge. Forecast tonight calls for cloudy skies. Maybe a chance of a shower or two tonight, but rain's uh, pretty much done until maybe tomorrow afternoon. Uh, tonight's low will be around uh, 30 degrees, and then tomorrow we'll see a high temperature around 42. Then, as I said, rain develops uh, later in the day, and then precipitation will continue through Christmas Day off and on with a chance of some snow showers late in the day, Friday into Saturday, but mainly dry over the weekend, cold highs in the mid-30s. Support comes from the Hamilton County Park District, reminding you that now is the best time for scheduling or booking that 2010 corporate business meeting or picnic. When it comes to event locations, Hamilton County Park District offers a wide range of choices, including their modern banquet centers and their scenic park lodges. Now taking reservations for 2010 corporate events and picnics at 513-521-PARK 
or online at greatparks.org. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Chris Finney, who is uh, has become somewhat of an expert, particularly recently, although I know you've been doing this for years. I guess a lot of people didn't see their property values dropping <laughs> the way they do currently. He's got a lot of experience in the whole uh, process of... Yeah, last year, actually, Vina, we had a confluence of three events that uh, in southwest Ohio that led a lot of people to want to challenge their property values. One was the general decline in the marketplace that people felt that property values were significantly less than they had been previously. Two was that in Hamilton County, Butler County, and Claremont County last year we had the triennial reevaluation. So people got new valuations on their property. In many cases they went up even though the market was declining and there were some reasons for that. And the third reason was, at least in the city of Cincinnati, we had some whopping tax increases. So they, some people had an increase in their value and an increase in their tax rate, and they saw their taxes go up 30 or even 40%, and they were ringing the phones off the hook. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we had a fresh look at that with the uh, border revision process last year. And like I say, we had uh, across the board just tremendous success uh, in doing that. And, and we found the border revision very receptive to many of the arguments about valuation that we were able to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has been very shocking to me in the last uh, couple of years to see the property taxes climbing, particularly in the city uh, of Cincinnati. Uh, they used to be in an evaluation of a rental property. Kind of, they weren't a blow-off expense, you know. They were there, but but uh, looking looking at them last year, I discovered that I had houses that only rented for eight hundred a month, where the property taxes were one hundred and twenty-five a month, and that is my second biggest expense next to the mortgage payment. That's huge. Right. Property taxes in the city of Cincinnati when I started my career were about one point eight percent of what the assessed value was. Today, they're close to 2.4% per annum. So uh, you're seeing a very significant growth in uh, the overall tax rate. And that is happening all over the country. I mean, cities, counties, they're broke. Yeah, they're broke. And there's a lot of, not, not only are they rising, but there's just tremendous pressure to raise them more because the pension funds are broke, which is a huge unfunded liability that these cities have. Uh, they're laying off police officers. Fundamental services aren't getting funded. Uh, and they have two choices. One is to reform the way they've been doing business, which we know they're not going to do. And two is to raise taxes, which they love to do. There there were a number of, of comments uh, up on the um, uh, the Real Life Real Estate Radio.com page that uh, – we won't get into them, but but basically their their uh, comments on this whole topic were: we just need to stop paying our taxes until they give us good schools and start fixing our roads, and it, it's 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 immoral to even pay these taxes. <laughs> so there's 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 two sides to this: the cities are broken, the and the folks who are paying the property taxes are feeling like it's the bal- the budget is being balanced on their back. Uh, let's go ahead and go to a caller on line one. Tom is not there anymore. Tom, give us a call back. Apparently, we left him uh, waiting for too long. Uh, Here's a question I just received via email from George in Boston. And remember, George, we are most specifically commenting on Ohio taxes here, but this this is pretty typical of the kind of story I'm sure you hear. The assessor values my home at two hundred eighty-three thousand as of January first, oh nine. I have a current appraisal of a hundred thousand from a reputable real estate investor. The municipality uses January first to determine the value for the fiscal year, so uh, the value on January first, two thousand ten, will be used for two thousand eleven. 
which begins July 2010. So their their taxes are like ours. They're they're paid six months in arrears. Um, he says, "Is there? Can you think of any way to get the municipality in, into line with the real world?" <laughs> well, you you raise a couple issues. First of all, I'm not familiar with uh, the Massachusetts process, although our firm is doing a lot of this nationwide now. So we have been researching the law in other jurisdictions, but. Um, Every jurisdiction that we've looked at, and I think it would be a constitutional right, has a process by which your property is valued and by which you can challenge that valuation. And that challenge in every instance that I'm aware of is based upon true market, fair market, real market value. In addition to that, the other complexity that you point out is what we call the tax lien date. In in, uh, Ohio, uh, the tax lien date is when you get your January 2010 tax bill. That's for the first half of 09, and the tax lien date, meaning the target date for the valuation of the property, is 1-1-09. So you're looking at a value that's 13 months before you actually are paying the tax bill, and you cannot challenge anything but that date. But in every jurisdiction of which I'm aware, there's a procedure by which you can challenge your assessment and the, and the point of reference to which they go back is what your property is truly worth. So if you've got an appraisal saying it's worth 100000 you should be able to get your valuation reduced to that 100000 Now, they, they, and there's, there's, there's something else here that's, that's really important and that, again, folks who are listening from out of state will need to check with their municipality. There's usually only a window in which you can appeal your valuation. You, don't, you can't walk in any time, you know, 365 days a year. Correct. In Ohio, uh, you can only challenge up to the prior year, so when you get the January 2010 tax bill, that's the tax bill you can challenge. You can't go back any further than that, which of course is for the first half of 09, which we just said. You can file your legal challenge to that, which is a complaint before the border revision in your respective county in Ohio between January the 1st and March the 31st of that year. So this coming year, uh, it starts in a week, uh, you can file for for the first half of 09 the tax bill you're getting in December January you can file up to March the 31st because that will not be heard until June July August when you win your case which you're going to win um you will get a refund for that January payment and for the June overpayment so you'll get a whole year a refund when you get your taxes reduced and uh theoretically depending on the timing uh, in the county you'll get a savings going forward as well so investors, number one thing on your to-do list, like you don't already have enough of those, is look at your tax bills. Look at it. Look at them versus what the fair market value of your property actually is, and decide what needs to be reevaluated. And number two, call your local treasurer, auditor, whatever they call them in your area, and find out what the window is for appealing the taxes. And number three is find out if you need an attorney to do that because there are some states in which only an attorney representing a client can do this and there's other states where an individual who owns who's a homeowner can go in and appeal themselves but if you own your property in an LLC or some similar uh, entity you must have an attorney there to represent you so find out whether that is the case or not because uh, that's obviously you know if you're going to get $30 back and it's going to cost you 200 to have the attorney go with you Maybe it wouldn't be something you'd want to do. Uh, but just George, the rest of George's comment is 
The tax is about 3200 bucks plus the water and sewer and trash, pretty high considering other communities, and they don't even have a street maintenance plan in place, even though this community was founded in 1793. <laughs> Yeah, he, his taxes are about three percent of his value, so you can get a, an idea of what happens when you go into that jurisdiction compared to what we're paying in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Indian Hill uh, is about one and a half percent. City Cincinnati is about two point four percent. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Our numbers here in the studio. If you have any questions about appealing your taxes, seven seven two nine six five eight eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. We're talking property taxes here. Good luck appealing your other taxes. Uh, you can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Now, now, Chris, you keep saying that the, 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 the only thing here that we can affect and the, and the only thing that's really in question is the valuation. If we think our valuation is high, how do we go about proving that? Right. Well, first of all, you can affect the rate, okay? You need to elect good public officials, vote against tax levies and things like that, get involved in public policy. But once that's set, uh, the thing that judicially you can correct is your valuation. Uh, the first step in that process is to file a formal complaint with the Board of Revision. The form uh, can be a little confusing for people. Um, in Ohio, the reason is is that county auditors deal in language uh, in numbers that are one or I'm sorry, 35 percent of actual value. Uh, they do that for one reason and one reason only, which is to confuse people. They make it difficult. In the classes that we teach about this, uh, the free classes, the seminars that we give, uh, we explain to people where that is on the form and how you go from 100 percent of your real value down to 35 percent uh, for purposes of translating for the border revision. <clears throat> and then um, once you file your complaint, there's no filing fee. If you fill out the complaint correctly, you'll get a hearing date. And, uh, you know, it, it, this past year those ranged typically from June until October. Most of them were backloaded into September, October, even November time frame. And um, you, for a residential homeowner and even for commercial properties, they'll give you typically just 20 minutes for a hearing. And the only evidence that they want to hear is what is your property in fact worth as of, and this is an important point, as of the tax lien date, which is 1-1 of the prior year. So this coming year, the tax lien date will be one one oh nine. They The two things that people make a mistake and want to talk about are, number one, what the auditor has valued their neighbor's property for. That is utterly irrelevant. If you start talking about that, they'll turn you off like a light switch. The auditor's opinion of what someone else's property is worth is not evidence of what your property is worth, regardless of how strongly people feel about that. And when I teach my class, everybody feels very strongly. <laughs> There's always a couple people in the class that feel very strongly about that. What the auditor thinks your neighbor's property is worth is not, by law, evidence of what your property is worth. And number two, people want to talk about how much their property value has increased from the prior year or the prior triennial. And what the auditor's opinion of what your property used to be worth versus what the auditor's opinion is of what your property is worth today is also not evidence. So people say, well, Chris, what is evidence? What is evidence at the hearing for single-family residential and for some commercial properties is comparable sales. Comparable sales are comparable and sales. So so not <laughs> listings, not suppositions, not valuations, but actual sales of property. What did your neighbor's property sell for? What did the house three down, three doors down sell for or half a mile away? Comparable means 
comparable, meaning number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, location, style, age, lot size, total square footage of the house. If you can present comparable sales numbers within a time frame that is close to the tax lien date, January 1st of 09 for this coming year, you will have persuasive evidence for the board. Uh, for commercial properties, they also will use the income approach, which is uh, income minus expenses, uh, taking not, not considering your mortgage. That's not an expense that they look at. And then they use a tax additor approach, which takes out the tax rate as a consideration of the return on investment, and then times a cap rate. Um, uh, those are all subject to opinions. Uh, the people who can testify at the hearing are the property owner himself, if he's educated and has done his research. A realtor, a licensed realtor in the state of Ohio, can present persuasive and probative evidence, and the best testimony can come from an appraiser. The problem is a practical matter is a lot of times you can't afford to hire an appraiser uh, if, the, if the evaluation change is small. But if a homeowner or an individual property owner does their own research, they can present a quite persuasive case. And like I say, the hearing is, only lasts about 20 minutes, so you get about 10 or less to present your side of the case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, one of the one of the big issues in real estate in general and valuating real estate in general right now uh, has to do with uh, the effect of bank-owned properties and foreclosures mm-hmm. on on sale prices. And in in an appraisal situation, uh, those sorts of properties are not supposed to be considered. Uh, you don't you don't you don't look at a at a bank-owned property and say, well, you know, that was a, a real sale and I should consider that in the value of my property. Uh, it, do, does one use those in a tax valuation yeah. hearing? That's a great question. Um, the, the answer is, first of all, uh, we use arm's-length sales. So a sale from a grandma to a grandchild probably isn't going to be an arm's-length sale. Foreclosure sales, by definition, meaning the actual sale by the sheriff on the, in the courthouse, uh, is not an arm's-length sale. Um, what the border revision, in my experience, wants to look for is, was the property exposed to the marketplace? Did you have a willing and arm's-length buyer, willing and arm's-length seller? Um, if you have those three circumstances, then you're going to have a comparable sale. Now, what that means as a practical matter is when a bank buys the property back at a foreclosure sale, lists the property with a realtor, and sells that bank-owned property Maybe it's on the market for three or six months, fully exposed to the marketplace in an arm's-length negotiated sale with a realtor involved, and it's been in the MLS. Uh, we have had those used as comparable sales. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, I think that the, the Board of Revision still, to some extent, looks at bank-owned sales with the Johns aside. They'd rather not base the market on that. We have a unique problem with the valuation challenges we have in Florida. There are some communities in Florida where there have not been any arm's length sales for 24, 36 months. The only market is either short sales or foreclosure sales. Now, people would say, well, a short sale is a market sale, and to some extent it is, but by definition, a short sale is a distressed seller, and so that would not be an arm's length sale. Um, so we, we, are, we are stressed in presentation of evidence by the extraordinarily unique market Hopefully it's unique. Hopefully this isn't going to continue forever. But the market that we've been experiencing the last 18, 24 months. uh, But in Ohio, at least, there's typically enough other evidence that you don't necessarily have to rely on those bank-owned sales to prove your case. Um, 
I would say that that uh, if if it's owned by a bank, it's listed with a realtor, it's been exposed to the marketplace, it's probably 90, 95% as good as a uh, other arm's length sale that was not bank owned. Mm-hmm. What what about uh, because because I am seeing neighborhoods in Cincinnati where there are no arm's length transactions. I mean, going back two years. You're dealing in some of Cincinnati's finer neighborhoods. Some of Cincinnati's finer neighborhoods where there are there are nice houses on the market, but they're not selling because the price pressure from the REOs is such that uh, you'll, you'll, see the, you'll see them go on the market, drop in price, drop in price, drop in price, drop in price, expire, go back on the market, drop in price, drop in price, expire. Uh, will the... Um, Will the will the auditor or the the, ass- the assessor's board will they look at that as as evidence of, of perhaps what the property is not worth? <laughs> I've got yeah. this, we've got these that's, comparables that that stayed question. on the market for a year without selling. That's a great question. The question is: Will will non sales listings uh, that don't sell and dropping a price serve as evidence of value? T- three years ago, I would have told you firmly, absolutely not. Uh, this year, we had a number of cases in which we did use evidence of. Uh, either the subject property or comparable properties that were listed for a long period of time and the and the value history to show what the property was not worth. Again, it's not anywhere near as strong evidence as comparable sales, uh, but sometimes it's the only evidence you have to rely upon or it's, you know, probative uh, evidence uh, to rely upon. The other thing you have to be careful about is, at least last year we were running into a problem that 1108, which was the old tax lien date, was really the market hadn't bottomed out yet. So a lot of people had not reduced their list prices as of that date. The boards of revision subscribe to the multiple listing service. And when you go in and say, look, as of January the 1st of 2008, my property was worth 100000 but you had it listed actively in MLS for 140000 they will use that as evidence against you to say that you're speaking with a forked tongue uh, when you're before them, because you, you're you're taking two different positions, you're marketing it for 140, but you're saying it's only worth 100. Now, those aren't necessarily inconsistent positions, are they? You might list it for 140, but no, in your heart, it's only worth 100. But they they will again look with a jaundiced eye on those things. But I got to tell you, the boards of revision, in my experience this year, just like appraisers, just like banks, just like buyers and sellers, were struggling with value issues. And they recognized all of the factors that we've just talked about, that there was extraordinary downward pressure on the marketplace. And they were looking for that evidence and accepting that evidence, just like banks and buyers and sellers were. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Our topic today is how to lower your property tax bill. My guest is expert in that field and attorney Chris Finney. And you've got about 10 more minutes to call with your questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or to email them at askvina at gmail.com. Council on Aging of Southwestern Ohio is a proud supporter of WMKV Radio. COA's Elderly Services Program, or ESP, includes help with home medical equipment, companion service, emergency response systems, case management, and more. Additional information is available at 513-721-1025 or online at www.helpforseniors.org. That's help, the number four, seniors.org. Shop for an accident, Bennett, and Bennett at Bernie and Beachmont at Corbley. Bennett at Bernie, Beachmont at Corbley. 
And that's pretty much it as far as accidents. We do have some backups in the usual spots, a little heavier around the malls, shopping centers, especially the exit to the Kenwood Town Center. Some heavy traffic there this evening. Weather forecast uh, calls for cloudy skies and a 20% of lingering showers late tonight, uh, low around 30 degrees. Looks like most of the rain will be taking a little bit of a break till probably tomorrow afternoon. That's when it jumps back up to a 70% chance. But tomorrow's high will be around 42 degrees. So don't expect any white Christmas this year. On Christmas Day itself, some showers in the morning, an 80% chance. Temperatures will fall from the 40s into the mid-30s by the afternoon. But uh, by the time it gets to the 20s at night, most of the precipitation should be gone uh, however, we could see a few snowflakes late in the day, Christmas Day. Uh, outlook for Saturday and Sunday, cloudy with highs only in the mid-30s. Monday, Tuesday, pretty much the same thing. Cloudy skies, highs in the mid-30s, lows in the lower 20s. Support comes from VTOS Innovative Hospice Care. As a hospice pioneer and advocate, VTOS is committed to providing compassionate end-of-life care to patients wherever they live, whatever their finances. VTOS, serving greater Cincinnati since 1993. More information at 513-742-6310 or at VTOS.com. That's V-I-T-A-S dot com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. We're, we're doing the Christmas gift show because if your property is overvalued and you go and do what Chris Finney is discussing and you're successful in your argument with the assessor's board, you might just find yourself with a check in your hand and you certainly will find yourself with a lower tax bill, which is always nice. We've we've had the values on some of our properties cut 60, 70% this year, and, and always because the last sale was one of those crazy predatory, they got $30,000 back at the closing, but that didn't show on the mortgage, and really it was only worth half that at the time, and now the market's dropped right. kind of deals. Right. One of the things I want to warn you about, you don't necessarily get a reduction. One of the options that the Board of Revisions in Ohio have is they can raise your rate so or your your valuation. So if you go in and you don't have a good case, uh, it's possible to have an increase. Now, if all the cases I've ever done in my career, I've never gotten an increase. But uh, Dusty talks about uh, circumstances in which people came in and and you know overplayed their hand and ended up with an increase rather than a reduction. <laughs> and actually, it's funny you say that um, because we got an an, an email here that. Uh, is very unusual. This one is from Marion, who lives uh, out in Anderson. She says, my property is worth at least 125000 and the county has it valued at 99000 Because I want to sell it in 2010, I want the county to raise the valuation because I don't want potential buyers to think it's worth less than it is. What do I do? Well, Vina, you're a buyer uh, and a seller, and anybody who knows real estate knows that buyers typically, and you, you're going to have the exception, but do not base what they're going to offer based on the auditor's value. Nobody puts a lot of stock on that for purposes of valuation. However, if having said that, you really want your value raised, the auditor would be more than happy to accommodate you. You simply file a complaint against your own property thing, you want it raised, and I don't think anyone's going to object. <laughs> you probably wouldn't even have to show up for that hearing, would you? they just say, yes, we, sure. we agree <laughs> to Everybody, charge you more taxes. They might, they might check, have you checked out for the loony bin, but uh, 
There is, uh, it, it, is, it is not logical to do that. We do not recommend it, but if you want your valuation increase, the auditor's going to be glad to help you out. <laughs> um, here is another question via email from Tom, and I don't know if this is the same Tom who had called us earlier or not. He said, how will the Board of Revision look at my arguing the value of a four-unit if I want them to base it on income and expenses, not comps? That's a really good question. I did a um, five or six family over by Xavier University this year, and we got a, a, a reduction, I believe, of more than 50% on the value of that, and we use the income approach. So it is possible to do that, particularly when you don't have a lot of comps. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, what happens when you go in for these challenges is you can have the Board, the board of Education file a counterclaim, and in which case they can present their own evidence or come in and question your evidence. But in addition to that, there's a representative from the auditor's office in the hearing who takes a second look at the valuation and looks at your evidence before the hearing. And he'll, in some cases, agree with you, but in some cases, rebut you. So if there, for example, are good comps in the neighborhood of four or five families that they could do on a per-unit basis, they're going to come in with that as counter-evidence. Uh, but the income approach, in my opinion, for a four-family is entirely uh, appropriate to use. So in the case of the five-family or six-family I had over by Xavier, the fellow had been losing money on this property uh, for six years, cash hemorrhaging. The income approach reflects very well on properties that have a negative cash flow, <laughs> even, after the, even without considering the mortgage. He just had horrible income and very high expenses. And uh, it's an entirely valid uh, a method, and we got, I believe, a hundred percent of the reduction that we sought on that on that case. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see one other question that came in via email from Jason in Georgia. Um, you mentioned that the board uh, subscribes to the MLS. Will they look at non-MLS sales? That is for sale by owners, and do they give more weight to the MLS sales? Well, the reason I mentioned the MLS was not for sales information. The reason I mentioned the MLS is for listing information. So, in addition to sales information, if you have a listing that's in excess of what you claim your property is worth, they will use that as evidence against you. Additionally, if you claim as of January the first of '08, I had listed the property for 120, when in fact you'd listed it for 160, they'll know that you're lying. But um, all sales information, whether MLS sales or non-MLS sales, are considered, and the auditor uses their own website in Ohio as the primary evidence for that, not the MLS. The reason I mentioned the MLS was because it provides listing information that may not convert into a sale. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So for actual uh, um, comps, actual sales, they're, they're pulling that out of their own records, and it doesn't matter if it was a for sale by owner so much. or a... That is my experience, yes. Okay, an MLS listing. Okay, um, boy, some some getting to some uh, more complicated questions here, and I want to remind listeners again: you have about five more minutes to give us a call at seven seven two nine six five eight or eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. This is an interesting one. Many of the comparable sales in my neighborhood are actually land contract sales between owners and home buyers. Would those be recognized as arm's length transactions? Wow, um, I I can't say that I've run into that question in my hearings, but my guess would be yes. And here's why: at least in Ohio, when we say land contract, what we're talking about is a 
purchase a contract for the purchase and sale of real estate. The only difference with a land contract is two things. One, it doesn't perform according to its terms for more than a year. And two, typically the buyer lives in the property or occupies the property until that performance. But it really is a freely negotiated arm's length purchase. Um, I guess the complication with a land installment contract is the value you put on the rental versus the value you put on the purchase during that year or more that uh, the buyer is occupying the property uh, without paying for it. So I guess you could shift some of the value either into higher rent or lower rent and higher purchase price and there, thereby skew the purchase price. But yes, I think a, a, um, a land installment contract typically as a whole would be considered arm's length and uh, the Board of Revision may want to look at it to parcel out whether the rent was fair market value and therefore the purchase price was fair as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, once again, folks, if you have any questions, you can send them to askbina at gmail.com or give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. And Chris, I, I, I think you've, you've mentioned this, uh, at least as an aside, a couple of times. Um, this is not like going to court on a traffic ticket or for small claims or or something that's going to be like really stressful and un- unpleasant for you it's it, these these folks are are bureaucrats they're actually there to do what you're there to do to do the right thing yeah i i think dusty said that 60 percent of the cases that he had overall this year out of the 6,000 resulted in reductions. So they're obviously not hostile to reducing property values. Um, it is, Vina, truly people can kid themselves. Uh, it is truly a judicial proceeding, even though the panelists are not judges and are, in fact, in many cases, not lawyers. But it is a uh, proceeding that is conducted according to fairly tight rules of evidence and fairly tight procedures. Uh, I had a lot of homeowners go in who lost, and they did not because they were wrong about their value, but because they didn't present evidence correctly. They didn't present the right evidence. Uh, So you do need to be careful. We run a series of seminars. Last year we taught 45 seminars uh, to people about how to do this themselves. Uh, even some of those people lost because they didn't listen very well. But mostly if you follow and, – and the, and, and the auditor's office in uh, Ohio, at least in Hamilton County, publishes very detailed instructions, which if you read them and if you follow them, you can present your own case. It's a very friendly environment. Uh, it is a uh, environment that almost wants to help what we call pro se litigants, people going in representing themselves. But they're not – handing out victories. If you don't prove your case, you're not going to prevail. And one other thing, when you go in, you're stuck with that valuation for the rest of the triennial. And in, in Hamilton, Butler, and Claremont counties, that means two more years. Warren County, this is the first year of the triennial, so if you win or lose, that reduction or that increase or that staying the same is stuck in place for three years. Huh. Hmm. So, so, so no one going back next year with the right evidence and trying again. Correct. You're stuck for three <laughs> years if you make a mistake in the first year of the triennial. Mm-hmm. So, but it, your your premise is basically correct that it is a friendly environment. It, it is a easy hearing for someone to do themselves, but you still need to take it very seriously. You need to follow the rules, and you need to be uh, deliberate about the evidence you collect and present if you want to prevail. You're not. They're not just going to give it away because you go in and beat the table. They mm-hmm. want evidence that supports your position. Mm-hmm. And and we should add they're not stupid. Uh you know, if you if you if you have a 3600 square foot house and you bring in comps from 1200 square foot houses in your 
neighborhood and and just like white out the square footage from (laughs) again there were three panels in hamilton county this year they had six thousand cases so each panelist heard probably two thousand cases these people are more experienced in valuation questions than most realtors most appraisers that doesn't mean you're going to agree with their outcome but they've seen it all they've heard it all and they ask the right questions they get to the point very quickly and they're very good so um uh, like i say most of the time they end up agreeing with people. That's not just in my cases, but the, the most of the cases people ended up winning. But you do have to go in armed with evidence, and you have to argue the case correctly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Chris, this is this is one of those questions that gets touchy on public radio, where we're not we're not out to sell anybody on anything. But it is a good question. Uh, this one is from Andy in North Carolina. He says, in my county, because I own my properties in an entity, I must have an attorney to go to court with me. W- about what should an attorney charge who is an expert to assist with this? Well, uh, attorneys will price their services different ways in different jurisdictions. Uh, they may charge you hourly. We tell people at our firm, I'll always work hourly if people want to pay me my hourly rate. Um, they may work on a contingent fee basis that is based upon how much savings is available uh, and their prediction of the likelihood of success and how much work's going to be involved. Or they may work on a flat fee of I'll take $1,000 or something to do this case for you. So there's all different ways to do it. A typical percentage for larger commercial properties is anywhere from 100% of the first-year savings all the way down to maybe a third of the first-year savings. Uh, it just depends on how much savings is there. If you only have $500 worth of savings, it's going to be awfully hard to get an attorney to work on a contingent fee basis uh, on that case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So important, as always, to look at the big picture. How long are you going to own the property and how much is it going to cost you to do that? And how many properties are involved? Because I'm guessing if he went to an attorney and said, I've got 50, he might get a little bit of reduction on each one. For It's possible, <laughs> but again, a lot of them can be headaches if you've got real small reductions on each, so That's it just depends. very true. And I want to thank you very much for being here today, Chris, on, on Christmas Eve Eve to uh, help us help people uh, figure out how to lower their expenses in 2010. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Live the memories and love the memories. All the music, uh, I'm even liking some of the talk type shows. The uh, station has improved with the years. What we're doing is I think we're making the station go in the direction it should be going. It's great. 89.3 FM, WMKV, Reading, Ohio. Right now, in high definition, the Fox 19.